from Workhouse Connect and A.J. Benza. Fame. Uh, he liked to be walked on a leash and play really dirty, kinky sex games. He's a... The guy put the cock in the Peacock Network, okay? Bitch. Hey, everybody. A.J. Benza here with Fame is a Bitch. This is your daily podcast for March 11th, 2020. I, I'm going to make this podcast about the Harvey Weinstein sentencing. Normally, I would deliver this sort of show on the Patreon because I'm going to go deeper and get more personal. And most of my patrons know how I am and what I stand for and what I'm like. Some of you folks who just get the free show and don't get the real me to, a, to an extent. I'm going to let you hear this show. It's a very controversial topic, Harvey Weinstein and his sentencing and the topic of rape, obviously. And I'm going to put it out there for all of you to hear. So make of that what you may. I had another show planned and... Um, Frankly, I can't wait till tomorrow to pop off on this. I've got to do it now while it's still fresh in my head, while the passion is still circulating. So I watched in wonder, 29 years, the judge delivered the sentence to a packed courtroom. And I can only imagine the faces of that, uh, those women sitting there, Jessica Mann, Miriam, Mimi, Halea, who are the two girls that this case was around, centered around, Annabella Sciorra, Tarali Wolf, Lauren Young, and Dawn Dunning. They filled the first two rows of the courtroom, along with the supporter and witness Rosie Perez, and of course the ever-present bullshit attorney Gloria Allred. They came in as a group. Okay? They came in as a wolf pack. So, um, look, 29 years is a bit of a problem. Uh, there are murderers who are going to get out of court faster than Harvey Weinstein will. Get out of jail, prison, whatever you want to call it. That number basically spoke to the pressure of movements and the way the public has been acting and what they're demanding. That number did not and never will speak to evidence. And in, in that sense, it doesn't speak to justice. I'm pissed off at that number. I think the judge is a coward for handing it out. And I think he obviously relented and caved in because... He knew that's what would make this woke society happy. So I'm not I, I'm not dancing around and making these statements that so many women are that they're just amazed. Mira Savino cried with cried tears of amazement. You know, when you look at the allegations in the courtroom, you only see a very small piece of Harvey Weinstein. I mean that. What you don't see are the other things and the other things he's done. The building of careers, because he made people who made people into tremendous figures in this industry who were nobody when he met them. You had to be in New York at the time this whole business of Miramax and the Weinstein Company took off, particularly when it was Miramax, when he had a very small number of people. When I used to get him on the phone because there were 12 employees, it was way back in the early 90s. Everybody wanted a piece of Harvey Weinstein. The woman who called me to who to tell me to come to New York and testify, the, the New York DA, Joan Illuzzi, boy, she wasn't the warm, cuddly person who was on the phone with me a couple months ago, last month. Uh, she told me, well, well, look, well, we want to have you talk about the text message exchange you had with Harvey. 
We'll fly you to New York first class. We'll put you up in a nice hotel for a few days. You know, get comfortable. When I told my lawyer, Frankie John Tomasi, who I referred to as the world's greatest attorney, Frankie Giant, he said to me, listen to me. If they're doing all that to get you to New York, they want you for a lot more than a text message. So I would advise you not go. Because you're going to be there a while. And once they sit you down, they got you. And then they're going to ask you things they know the answers to. And if you don't say it the way they know it to be true, you're going to spend more time there. And why do you want to open yourself up to all that agita? And he's right. He was right. Thankfully, Harvey's lawyers filed a motion and the judge said, AJ doesn't have to appear. What happens next at this next trial, which seems to be just fucking overkill in L.A., where I live, uh, then I'd be I'd be obligated to appear if they want. We'll certainly see what happens, but I'm, I'm going to tell the truth. I'm going to tell the truth. I never saw Harvey Weinstein do any of these things. So Jonah Luzzi know this moment was hers. It's going to be seen everywhere today, tomorrow, and what she said in the courtroom was going to be safely tucked away in all Google searches for time immemorial. She decided to repeat some of the things she claims people she talked to said about Harvey. And these are things a lot of people who don't like us, who see us on the ropes about to be destroyed, would gladly say if someone called them and said, how do you feel about AJ? How do you feel about any of you? Once you're down, once you're going down the drain, do you think your detractors start to get nice to you? Or do you think you whip them up into a frenzy so they can taste the hatred and smell the death? So naturally, these people, they're not named. And I don't think she would make these things up, would she? But she said the things she heard were, he's a a devil, a liar, very bad temper. He bragged that he would kill people. I heard some of those brags. I, people don't get how people talk. It's so ridiculous. One time Harvey saw me at Argo, and there was a Patrick Goldstein is a real prickly writer for the New, for the LA Times. He was a, a, not a Harvey fan. Didn't like his movies, which the guy was full of shit. He, he was judging Harvey, not his films. And he was never judging him fairly. And Harvey used to get so pissed off with, what Patrick Goldstein said, so one night he saw me in the parking lot of Lago when he was leaving in his black town car and he rolled the window down. He said, AJ. I said, yeah, what's up, buddy? He said, Patrick Goldstein. I said, oh, yeah, I know the fucking guy. He says, he's a, he's a, he's a douchebag. We got to kill this guy. I said, let me, you know, let me, let me see. What did he write? He goes, just read today's paper. This fucking guy shouldn't be alive. And things like that. Those aren't real threats to kill someone. He's extremely temperamental. All of us are. He's got predatory behavior. I agree with that. I do agree with that comment. Now that we've seen and we've heard and people have commented on and testified to this kind of things he did and predatory behavior is not good. That's what got him locked up. He gets off asserting his power. Everybody does who's got power. And if you knew the kind of power he had, you'd be the same way. You'd probably self-destruct. He overwhelmingly ruined my career. Get the fuck out of here. If you're a great actress and you can do what you can do and you can back it up, nobody can ruin your career. His temper would get worse and worse as he became more famous. Again, David Spade's temper got worse, but he became more famous. Everybody gets that way. 
Working with him was a nightmare. I've had bosses who are very loud and tough and they get what they want. They want what they want. They can be a nightmare. But you know, those companies tended to be wonderful companies who made a lot of money. You know, I, 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 my sister had a doctor, an OBGYN that my mother, my two sisters and my wife went to. He delivered our children. My nephews, guy could say things you'd never believe. He had a mouth on him, but he loved my family. My sister worked for him. But he had a temper. What are you going to do? It was frightening to be around him. That comment, I can just go fuck yourself, you know. He was a screaming bully. Okay, we addressed that. He had joy in demeaning people. He was a monster. Okay. One of his victims, Mimi or Jessica, I forget, but what's the fucking difference? All they say bleeds into the same thing. The assault diminished my confidence and faith in people and confidence and faith in life. Okay, listen, that's your problem. I, I, these people, these weak people who have something that happens to them and it ruins their lives. That's a certain kind of person. I got no time for those people. I know they exist and I hope to God they're not the people I got to face in court one day. God forbid, knock wood. But people who say something you did ruined their life, I can't. It obviously didn't ruin your life because you kept talking to him afterward. You kept going on dates with him. You wanted him to meet your mom. Private jets, emails. I mean, I can go on and on. So it didn't ruin your life to the point where you couldn't still act like you loved him. <sighs> one of them, one of the two, the Jessica man. I lost faith in myself. Okay, you lost faith. We'll see. I heard she's already with a wealthy guy right now. And that's her prerogative. I'm not going to say that's wrong. She's getting her life back together, whatever the fuck. But you'll see, you'll hear more from these girls down the road. This court case ended up being the biggest audition of their lives. So in a weird, ironic way, it's kind of with Harvey's help that they got there and, and the world has now seen and heard them. I know, I know some women just roll their eyes. Listen, relax. I'm not discounting all of their hurt and dismay. Don't be like so many of our wives who when a man says one thing, you roll your eyes, and the rest of the things he say, you don't even hear. Just listen. But but spare me the fucking story that he wrecked their lives. It was you, girls, who stayed with this man. You both stayed with him. You dated him. You sent loving emails to him. Hey, big guy, can't wait to see you again. I love seeing you, but don't make this one a booty call. Kisses. That's the new way women can speak to their rapist now. That is when they're not on private jets with him or on his arm at premieres and festivals around the world. When they're just corresponding via text and email, this is the new way women can speak to the men who fuck them and the men they think ruined their lives. Just want to make you aware this is what's going on. You know, they were there with him at premieres and festivals around the world. They met Nicole Kidman. George, Ben, Matt, go fuck yourself. You were all there. This is the new normal, though. So like I said, be afraid for our sons. I just keep going back to the individual cases, and I shake my head, guys. I spoke to people at the trial, and all of them, capital A, capital L, capital L, all of them, including people who took the stand to testify for the prosecution, we're all shocked 
that he got a guilty verdict. Think about that for a second. The people who testified against him, and not including Jessica and Mimi, they were shocked. So when I go back and look, he was convicted of a first-degree criminal sex act for forcibly performing oral sex on Mimi. This is the chick who was the former Project Runway production assistant. This is 2006 in his solo apartment. And that's the crime that carried the possible sentence of four to 25 years in prison. The third-degree rape conviction was about an assault against Jessica Mann, the former hairstylist and aspiring actress. Both of them were aspiring actresses. Don't let it, don't let these fucking journalists fool you. They both wanted to get in the business in front of the camera. And she said Weinstein raped her on March 18th, 2013 at the Doubletree Hotel in Midtown Manhattan. The crime, which indicates sexual intercourse without consent, that carried a potential sentence of up to four years in prison. A first-degree conviction would have meant he used physical force or threat of death or physical injury, which Jessica Mann said he did not. So basically, he wanted to get laid. You know, they maybe had a conversation about it. They went ahead and did it. And after what she said, I just wish we didn't do that. That's what turned into this fucking court case. The other one, he went down on her. Maybe they talked about sex. She didn't want to do it. Whatever the fuck, he went down on her. They still went out. They still had a good time. The night didn't even end on him going down on her. That was the middle of the night. I'm just saying these things because I've been this guy. And so have your sons and so have you and your brothers and your father. We've all been this guy. A man they both openly dated and corresponded with regularly for years before what they said was the problem and after. That's the big word, after. This is the man. He gets 29 years for going down on one of the girls and then having sex with the other after she apparently wasn't into it. This is rape. This is 29 years of your life. This is death in prison. He didn't force or threaten her. He wasn't physical with her. That's why it wasn't first degree. And Jessica Mann admits that. But he's still going to die in prison because of that day. I wish all of you could read the emails and text exchanges and all the documents that became available that both these women had, both of them had, after the sexual acts went down. You will read them, and you're going to think these people were in a great relationship. I mean, if you read the text between my wife and I right now, you'd paint me as a worse guy than Harvey Weinstein. But of course, the jury knew what this trial represented, especially what the verdict represented. They knew we all live in a Me Too world right now, and going forward, we will never be the same. So they went into this thing, including the female juror who's writing a novel currently about a sexually aggressive character, and did what they felt society wanted, what society has been demanding. They did what woke America asked them to do. And in the weeks and the months to come, as they speak to reporters and you see them on TV, you're going to see just how much they allowed the current climate we live in to filter into their heads and hearts and into the room they were sequestered in. There was too much publicity for this trial. There were newspapers around the courtroom that talked about Harvey's past and all this kind of shit. And that past, those writings, those columns, those reports were one-sided. But they got their hands on that shit. And Harvey is just as confused as a lot of us. 
a lot of us men, because you guys write to me. You don't say this on a show. You don't have a podcast where hundreds of thousands of people hear it and then can judge you. You tell me. I'm not going to say your names, but so many men and women have said to me, I can't believe this, man. This is fucking man. You're all expressing dismay. But I don't want to take away from the women who've been hurt or raped, really raped, and have gone through hell, real hell, because God knows you have. And I'm not discounting what you guys went through. I'm just, I'm really not. I don't want to be painted as this guy who thinks it's not a big deal what Harvey did. He's a great guy. I know. Let me, let me keep going and try to get to what I'm trying to say. Because now a lot of people are hearing this who don't hear the Patreon. So now you're going to hear a side of me that maybe you've already heard in the last 10 minutes and thought, oh, wait a minute. Or maybe some of you are going, yeah, it's exactly what I feel. And if you feel that way, follow me. Because there ain't many, many, many men like me left. There's not. Nobody is saying these things in public. I'm not, I'm not afraid to. So when Harvey finally spoke weeks after he actually initially wanted to speak, but his attorneys denied him, he said today, he was kind of rambling, it's, you know, that's why Harvey's behind the camera. He began by addressing his accusers. He said, I have great remorse for all of you. I was the first, and now thousands of men are accused. And I think none of us understood the impact. And he's right about that. He said he believed that he had serious friendships with Jessica and Mimi. He noted the favors he did for them and the missing you and hugging you emails he received from them. And he said, I'm not going to say these aren't great people. I had wonderful times with these people. So make of that what you will. I'm going to remember a different man than the one we've seen painted a darker shade of black and savage. Yesterday, I was on the phone with another journalist I've known forever, Roger Friedman, who writes the Showbiz 411 column or uh, website. Last time I spoke with him, I was writing for him. On a website, he was running for Fox News. This is back before 9-11. And um, it's actually back when Gianni Versace was murdered. And uh, he was my editor. And my first piece I wrote was that my sources told me Versace's murderer was most likely a gay guy who was at all the gay clubs and was probably following the designer and finally found him getting his morning paper in front of his mansion and fucking killed him. I said, I'm hearing the murderer is someone who Versace knew. He said, I can't run that. It's too, it's too uh, speculative. And I quit right there. I can't handle shit like that. I can't handle it. Roger's gay. He didn't want to talk about his community in such a demeaning way. Fuck it. I'll quit, man. And you know who was right. That will never go down as me having the exclusive, but I fucking had the exclusive. Anyhow, whatever the fuck. It's not about me. It's about Harvey. So he, me and Roger were talking yesterday on the eve of the verdict, and he said, you know, it's shocking. We've been with them. We've seen the girls on his lap. We've been in the room with some of these people who want favors from Harvey. Not in a closed door room, but in restaurants and shit. We've been there. The women are smiling. They're drinking. They're rubbing his back. We've been with them when he said, hey, Harvey, you need, need to be alone? And he said, no, no, stay for another drink, guys. Stick around. And then we were with him when he'd smile and tell us, I think it's time for you guys to go. And every, every man who heard that and many, many, many women know what that means. It was time he wanted to leave with whatever girl he was with. We've all been there. We all know what that means. Jack Nicholson is also a guy who used to enjoy the company of me and my friends. And we'd go out to nightclubs and restaurants and stuff. And Jack loved the company. But when we went to a nightclub and he found a girl and he was talking for a few minutes, he would turn and say, time for you guys to hit the road. And 
We'll see you tomorrow, Jack. We get it. And then we'd meet Jack the next day for brunch, and that girl would be with him. How many thousands of girls do you think had that memory of Jack Nicholson? Okay. So this story could be about Jack today. It could be about so many men you know. That's the way it goes down in Hollywood and a lot of other businesses and industries. But apparently people have all forgotten that. And then, you know, when I throw in all that Harvey's done, and there are hundreds of powerful and influential people, and they're mostly liberal Democrats that he's helped, who have to explain why they were with him everywhere, every day, working, playing, everything, yachts, planes, you name it. I think maybe a lot of them can't really get the true scope of what and who he is and and who he was unless you lived in New York City. Because I swear when I tell you this, there were times you went to Harvey to get something done and he'd do it quicker than the mayor, whether it was Giuliani or Bloomberg or de Blasio. Harvey had more power at times. Sometimes he really did, it felt like, run New York and Hollywood. And all the politicians and celebrities lined up to ask of those favors. And I so wish he'd write his book and blow everybody up in the in the pages. There would be no better tell-all. And Ronan Farrow couldn't do a fucking thing about it. Even though he's part of the meek that has now inherited the earth, I'm sure there's a publisher who would thirst for Harvey's tell-all if they got the balls. But he'll never write it. Because one of the last things he told me the day we last spoke, he said, if I tell the stories I have about Clooney and Damon and Affleck and a hundred other people, this whole fucking country and this town would fall to its knees. But I'll never tell. I may be a lot of things, AJ, but I'm not a rat. What can I tell you? It's the way he is. That's why he got mad at me that I cooperated with the New York Times. He called me a rat. I explained why I did it. We ended up ending the phone call in an amicable way, but it hurt him. And he also told me, hey, the world has changed. If you were still here acting the same way you did at the height of your power in New York City, you'd be wiped out too. They'd come for you. And I know you're not a bad guy, but that's the way things are now. You'd be finished too. And I knew he was right. It scared me, but I never imagined what occurred in that courtroom and with that jury. <sighs> Yesterday was a weird day because the court documents and the prosecution, the, the, the documents the prosecution used to help convict them became available. A big document dump and everybody's having a field day with them. It's like Easter fucking morning and the basket just hit the table. Emails, texts, all sorts of shit. And obviously our correspondences were in that dump. But in true form, the sensational and fucked up media that we have today latched on to one dumb comment he made to his publicist after the guy was notified by Star Magazine. Some reporter said, hey, we got a tip that Harvey was is obsessed, was obsessed with Jennifer Aniston, and he was always after her. And one time at a party, he got behind her and rubbed her ass. So Harvey's flack told him, hey, this is what's going on, Harvey. This is what the Star Magazine has. And Harvey said, oh, give me a break. Jennifer Anderson should be killed. See, now just the fucking, you know, throwaway line, something you say at a traffic light or when an asshole cuts you off. I like to kill this asshole. It's funny, but it's also a little bit telling. Yesterday, literally yesterday, I'm driving my car 
it's got a problem with some hose or some shit and it's been stalling a little bit. So I was driving to the mechanic to say, we got to fix this. And every like 200 yards, the thing would putter out and stall. So I kept going to the side of the road, putting it in park, starting it again. So I was very conscious of who was behind me. So one time I pull out from the curb and there's a white truck, at least a hundred yards behind me, but he was coming pretty hard. So I turn out cause I got to go. And, um, he gets up behind me too close and I'm starting to go in my mirror going, Hey, back the fuck off. You're too close. Back up. I'm afraid the car's going to stall. I'm not going to have power and I hit my brake and he's going to ram me. So I said, back to the, he pulls up next to me to light and we both start screaming at the same time. I said, Hey, my car is fucking stalling. He goes, fuck you, asshole. You don't pull out in front of somebody before they, you, 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 you pulled out and I'm going fast. I said, I don't know what fucking speed you're going. Mike, we're screaming. Fuck you. I'll kill you. I'll fucking kill you. get out of your car. That's the way it went. Until one comical moment when I said, you, you're probably a fucking Bernie voter, you stupid. I'm not a I voted for Trump. And I said, so did I. And he goes, oh, well, listen, I'm sorry. I'm, listen, good luck with your car. And he sped off. <laughs> Very comical. But the point is, we wanted to kill each other. Not really, but we said we did. Oh, Jennifer Aniston should be killed. That's a big fucking deal. But that's what the media latched on to. This throwaway line. And this is despite the fact that Jennifer Aniston never made a comment about Harvey. Never commented about, oh, yeah, he was always around me. Never. And her own flack, Steve Huvane, who's very powerful, yesterday was quoted as saying, Jen was any, nowhere near him ever. She was never alone with him. Star Magazine didn't run the piece. And yet they latched on to that. This is what I mean about one-sided, shitty fucking journalism. And that became the big story. TMZ led with it. E.T. Extra. I watched them all. Ridiculous. But it was also surreal yesterday reading all the articles. The New York Times, the Daily Mail, the New York Post, the Washington Post, you name it, New York Magazine. I was in all of them. They all read from the document dump that was suddenly available. And in the days before Dylan Farrow's article was to land, Harvey Weinstein reached out to powerful friends for help. We'd all do that. And when you have friends this powerful, why wouldn't you come to lean on them? That's what you have powerful friends for. He did them favors. Now he needs one. He wanted these guys to write a letter on Harvey's behalf. Harvey wanted to stay with his company. He said, let me finish. Let me stay with my company. I'll go to rehab. I'll fix my image. But let me stay with the company. Now, they, he had different responses from everybody. But he tried. And the people he reached out to, the article says, the studio mogul pleaded with Jeff Bezos, Ted Sarandos, Mike Bloomberg, and A.J. Benza. Yeah, that's me, guys. Hey, get me Bezos. Get me Benza or Bloomberg. I need help. That's me. That's me. Two billionaires and a guy who still hasn't found his house yet, who sleeps with his fucking dog at a hotel. That's power. That's real fucking people. I know it. it's harkening back to a few years ago, but still. If it wasn't so sad, I would laugh a lot more. But you all know what Harvey wanted when he texted me. I've told the story a hundred times. He wanted to find out any dirt available on Dylan Farrell. And, you know, there is no dirt on Dylan Farrell. So when he texted me, you know, the world was a very different place back then. March of 2017. Some might say now with Harvey locked up, it's a better place. Now, I'd be inclined to agree. Honestly, if and only if there were some undisputable proof that these two women responsible for putting him away were living a hell while trying to escape their brutal rapist. 
but there is none. And it was never presented. I've tried. I've had objective conversations with myself and others. Yes, I can do that. Even my wife, who's, by the way, is not at all phased by his sentence. But I can't seem to make any legal sense of this. And that's all that matters. And I'm well aware I'm in the minority, guys. I know that I'm in the minority. But I know that there are some of you who don't want to say, but you feel just like I do. But you're scared. I get it because you don't want to be cut out of society. You don't want to be canceled. I don't give a fuck anymore. And I know my feelings on this case and the man have alienated some listeners. But if you take away Harvey Weinstein and make it about another guy who abused his power, say Bill Clinton, for instance, or a former boss you may have had, anybody for that matter, when you lay the facts about the case out and the two women he was to be fairly judged on, I will never agree that he should have been found guilty, let alone get 29 fucking years and die in prison. And let's not even talk about that. Is he going to die? Or, you know, when is he going to kill himself? The suicide watch started days and weeks ago. There's no doubt. There's no doubt while he ruled Hollywood in New York City, he was drunk on power. I know that. He was drunk on power as he accomplished great, great things. Not only wonderful cinema or bringing us important directors who would change the face of movies. But the millions of dollars he raised for charities, particularly what he pulled together right after 9-11. The, the, the countless millions he gave the politicians that you all vote for. And then there were the gigantic things he did with his influential friends. Many of you all love Oprah, Hillary, Jeff Bezos, Ted Sarandos. You love Netflix, Tim Cook. We all got Apple products. On and on and on. There was a virtual mob of the most powerful people in the world following him and begging on him and needing him and lauding him. Those people know him and knew him, really knew him. Where were they when the nickel dropped? Where were they when the shit went down? They disappeared. They left him. They washed their hands of him and they didn't even sing happy birthday two times. I hate fucking people like that. I'm never going to be people like that. I know real killers. I've been around bad people all my life. I made it a point and sometimes they've been dropped in my life. There is a chill that goes up your spine when you leave happy to escape their bad side. Harvey was not one of those people. Harvey was generous to a fault. He cared about a lot of people. He had a fucking temper. Goddamn right he did. He loved pussy. He loved girls. Yeah, he probably got sloppy about it a couple of times. Some of the accounts I've heard are disgusting. And if some of those other things were, were, were brought up in court and he had to be tried on those, I might have a different tune right now. I'm merely talking about Jessica and Mimi. That's it. Judge me on those two. Not the other stories. I can't tell you how confusing it is that a guy jerks off into a potted plant when he's talking to the news girl. You know, that makes no sense to me. That's very fucking odd. But he cared. I, I, you know, he fought like hell for people he cared about. And those women know that. Those two women know. Those women found themselves on the good end of those favors and wishes and deeds. But when the careers didn't pan out and maybe Harvey Weinstein couldn't deliver on the things they asked, they turned. And then they thought the sex they had with them for years wasn't worth it. In fact, it wasn't sex, it was rape. And they thought he should die for that. And the first thing Harvey said to me when all this shit dropped was, AJ, every one of them was consensual. Now, 
I went down the list with him for about 10 girls. Annabella Sioro we talked about. We talked about a number of girls. Some of the girls that weren't even mentioned in this court case, in any court case. Some of the girls I had questions about. I peppered him with, and he came back with his reports, retorts. And I said, okay, well, that's what you say. I say this. So I went to bat on a couple of girls. I really did. Because a couple of other girls outside of Annabella Sierra contacted me and told me their stories. And I went to bat for them to see what the fuck went down. Not every story I heard back from Harvey I thought was, you know, okay. And I kind of sided with a woman or two or three. So there is that side of me. Again, I'm talking Mimi and Jessica. But when he told me they were all consensual, that's what this man believes because the girls never acted like they weren't. Having girls come to your room where you wear a robe and have them massage you, coming out of the shower naked, those are all disgusting things. Those are all predatory things. You know, jumping on a girl on the bed, if those are the, if that's the way he actually did it, inviting them up to his room, forcing them to be in his room and not in the hotel bar. Let's talk about the girls who worked for him, who gaslighted all these women. Let's talk about them, but they're not even, they're not part of this. It's only him, Jessica, and Mimi. And if I do it with those three people, I don't think he's guilty. But I think he definitely displayed an attitude and a way of life with his power and his sex addiction that was not good and may have been time here and time there illegal and definitely immoral but he was not tried on those things he was tried on these two women the problem is the sentence he got is is inclusive in my opinion of all the shit people say he's done not just on these two women and listen again i will never tell you that these two women locked up a teddy bear i'm not stupid but i'll also never be part of the mob You will find me on the other side of crazy movements like that. You may disagree with me today, but I guarantee you, because of the way the world has turned, you're going to wish for a friend like me when that happens. You're going to wish I'm around when the nickel drops. And at that point, you better hope I've not become part of fucking woke America, which is ruining this country day by day. You want to be led by puny Ronan Farrow or guys like me? It's up to you. I'm AJ Benza. That was your daily podcast for March 11th, 2020. If you like this show, follow me on Patreon. Patreon.com slash fame is a bitch. And never have we done a show that has illustrated just how much of a bitch fame can be. But I got a feeling this bitch is going to be around for a long time. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Thank you for listening. Fame is a Bitch is an AJ Benza Workhouse Connect production featuring the endless wisdom, insightful commentary, and sometimes fucked up perspective of AJ Benza. Executive producer, Mike Agavino. Technical producer, Brian Vasquez.